The Tale of Despero, Chapter 4, Roscuro Meets the Queen. So how do you find a rat half mad with desire for soup? Well, you follow your nose. While Pietro was combing every nook and cranny of the village, Roscuro was clinging to the castle ballroom chandelier. Why, you ask? Well, because below him, the royal soup was about to be served for the first time. Roscuro waited, salivating. Far beneath him, a long candlelit table was set for an opulent banquet. The king sat proudly, with the queen and princess at either side, at the end of the crowded table. They too were waiting. All eyed eyed the royal kitchen's door, eager to see their genius chef come through with his latest creation. When the door finally opened, the guests rose to their feet and clapped furiously. Andre entered, carrying a large porcelain soup tureen, which he ceremoniously placed in front of the queen. Ever so slowly, Andre lifted the china lid. Ooh, exclaimed the crowd. Princess P and her mother leaned forward in anticipation. So did Roscuro. He leaned forward on the chandelier, trying to take in as much of the soup's mouth-watering scent as he possibly could. When the fragrant steam finally reached his nose, he closed his eyes and crinkled his little rat nostrils in absolute bliss. Et voilà, said Andre. Oh, this smells amazing, said the queen, beaming. Wait until your Hannah tastes it. The queen dipped her spoon into the broth. Roscuro sniffed. His mouth watered. He inched closer and closer still, until he was holding on to the chandelier by a single little paw. The spoon hovered near the queen's mouth. She parted her lips and took her first delicious taste. Mmm, she said, sighing. Roscuro could only imagine the sensation. His eyes closed again, and a dreamy smile lit up his face as he imagined the unique blend of tastes. He reeled back in reverie. Then, just as quickly, Roscuro slipped and lost his grip on the chandelier. Roscuro's eyes opened wide. The air rushed past his ears, flattening his whiskers to his cheeks. He was falling, falling to the table below. At that very moment, the queen was savouring her first taste. The soup-crazed rat was tumbling head over feet, feet over head, until... Andre, the queen said, this is absolutely dip splat. Roscuro landed with a walloping belly flop into the queen's soup. It moved, the queen exclaimed. It moved? Andre asked. My soup moved, the queen said. Andre eyed the soup. No, it did not. It did not move. But the chef could not argue when the rat surfaced from the broth wearing a ring of onion around his head. Roscuro wiped broth from his eyes and looked straight at the queen. Ah, your highness, the rat greeted her. Ah, squealed the queen. Darling, said her husband. A rat, she screeched. There's a rat in my soup. Why does she say rat as if it's a bad word, Roscuro wondered. Madame, said Roscuro politely. I know that this is unfortunate, and I know that while on first glance I might appear to be a... Ah, the queen screamed. A rat, there's a rat in my soup. Please, shh, whispered Roscuro. The queen looked down at him in horror. And I ate it, she cried. Uh-oh, said Roscuro. The queen began to gag. She clutched at her throat as the colour drained from her face. She swooned. Roscuro barely, barely managed to leap out of the way before Her Highness launched first backwards and then forward and nosedived into her bowl of soup. 
The shocked party did not know where to look first. At the Royal Highness face down in her vegetable soup, dead, or at the drenched rat who had just sprung onto the linen tablecloth. Well, she's right, yelled the king, pointing at this exposed Roscuro. It's a rat! It's a rat, squealed Princess P. And then, seeing her mother, she lit out another piercing scream. Sweetie, scrumptious, the king said to his fallen wife. He turned towards his guards. Get me that rat! Roscuro sprinted down the centre of the banquet table. He hopped over place settings. He darted around a candlestick, leapt over a finger bowl, and vaulted off a salad fork as if it were a diving board. Now I really believe you're jumping to conclusions, Roscuro tried to explain breathlessly, hurtling over the centrepiece. And I'm sure other rats you have met might have caused you not to create might have caused you to create a stereotype. I'm just I'm not really from around here. Oh. A large steak knife missed his tail by an inch. Oh, that's very aggressive, he cried. And at the end of the table, Roscuro slid down the tablecloth as if it were the rigging of his ship and scurried across the floor. The kitchen, Andre shouted to the guards. He's heading for the kitchen. Roscuro fled through the kitchen door as a dozen armoured men scrambled after him. Chapter 5. The Hunt for a Rat. Over there, yelled a guard. Roscuro raced across the floor with the guard's large metal boots stomping close behind him. Where to hide? Where to hide? He darted into a pile of pots and pans. Their curved metal edges reflected Roscuro's body over and over. Roscuro felt as if he were in an endless hall of mirrors. In the reflections, Roscuro looked huge and grotesque. He felt dizzy, fumbling his way through the many monstrous images when... Stop that rat! Andre screamed, racing towards him. A sword whizzed by Roscuro's head. Its blade missed him by a whisker. Pots and pans tumbled to the floor. Swish! Bang! Crash! Roscuro bounded off the edge of the shelf and into a metal mixing bowl. He slid down its sloped interior and up the other side and hurtled through the air again. Oof! Roscuro landed on a table near a pile of vegetables. He stopped next to a carrot to catch his breath. Whap! A massive blade came down next to him, chopping the carrot cleanly in half. Roscuro clutched his heart in terror and checked to see if he was still in one piece. It could have been me, he thought. Why are they trying to kill me? What have I done? But there was no time for thinking. A blade landed again with a loud chop that sent Roscuro scurrying down the centre of the table. He leapt from onion to onion, over a hill of potatoes, through a forest of celery. Smack, swish, whack, thwack. The blade sliced down again and again and again. Roscuro spotted some sausage links hanging from a rack. He grabbed for one and swung from salami to salami with the clanking metal of the guards ringing in his ears. He is going near the soup, yelled Andre. There is a rat loose in my kitchen. Roscuro was almost out of sausages. He pounced onto a whisk dangling from a hook. He parted the wires and slipped inside, finally safe. He slumped against the whisk's wires and tried to catch his breath. But not a moment later, a large eye appeared beside him. A guard was peering through the wires like a giant looking in at a window. Roscuro screamed. If I can just tell... The guard grabbed the whisk and wielded it like a mace. Roscuro swung upside down as if on some twisted carnival ride and flew from the whisk. He sailed through the air and landed on the guard's metal boot. The guard impulsively swung at Roscuro with his mace, bashing his own foot. He howled, leaping up and down in pain. Roscuro raced across the floor. With nowhere left to go, he climbed up a long metal vegetable chute. He scaled it to the kitchen's highest point, where a small window overlooked the port. 
Outside, something in the distance caught Roscuro's attention. Even under the circumstances, he could not help but stop and stare. Far beyond Roscuro's reach was his ship. It had weighed anchor and was beginning to sail away, with Pietro on board. He pressed his paws to the glass. No! The rat wanted to cry. Stop! Please don't go, Pietro! Roscuro's heart sank. Helpless, he gazed out at his old friend, desperately wishing for him to come back. So lost was the rat in his own thoughts, he'd nearly forgotten he was in terrible danger, when suddenly, splat, he was reminded by a large tomato that whooshed past his head and smashed against the window pane. The crushed tomato dripped down the glass, obscuring the view of Pietro and the ship. Roscuro jumped back. He lost his balance and slid down the chute towards the huge cauldron of soup. No, 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 yelled Andre. Not there! Without a second to spare, Andre lifted the chute, changing the rat's path, and Roscuro catapulted across the kitchen. He landed hard on the stone floor and looked up to see four of the king's guards. To Roscuro, they were giants with feet as big as houses. They were stepping closer and closer, their sharp swords jabbing and jabbing. Roscuro ducked right, then left, then right again, as the sword sliced down within a breadth of his body. The blows rained down one after another. The guards backed Roscuro onto a grate near the wall, and then there was nowhere to go but down. Swish! Smack! Roscuro slipped between the grate's bars. He grabbed blindly for one of them and clutched it with his paw. The rat hung on for life until... Smack! Roscuro plummeted. Down, down, down. Chapter 6. Darkness. Roscuro blinked and then blinked again as his eyes tried to adjust to the awful darkness, but it didn't help. The rat had landed in a place of suffocating, stifling blackness, and for a rat who loved daylight, this was a terrible place indeed. Roscuro looked up towards the grate, now stories above him, where one last trickle of light struggled to reach him. He could see little, a faint outline of a damp, rancid wall, a steep staircase that led down into yet more darkness, and his own reflection in a puddle. He stared down at his face, the same one that had caused the Queen so much terror. Was he that ugly, he wondered, that repulsive? He thrust his paw into the water, destroying his reflection. Roscuro slumped against the wall and sat for a while, trying to muster the courage to move. But for what, he asked himself. He was a rat, a rat without a home, or a friend. He was alone, completely alone. And then, the rat did something most unrat-like. The rat began to cry. Roscuro cried, and cried, and cried. And he didn't stop crying until he felt something, or rather, someone. Roscuro felt an icy prickling at the back of his neck, the kind of feeling you get when you're being watched. Roscuro froze as the shadow of a towering, robed figure emerged from the darkness. Two red eyes slowly materialised. And then, behind the creature, more eyes. Roscuro squeaked and hid behind his paws. You don't need to be afraid, the creature said, slinking from the shadows and into the grey light. It had the face of a rodent, but it was much, much taller, with long, gangly arms and finger-like claws. I know it's dark, the creature soothed, but you'll get used to it. Who, who are you? Roscuro asked, blinking. The grotesque face inched closer. It was horrid, gnarled and fanged with sunken eyes. Just a rat like you, he said. 
His name was Botticelli, and he was the most frightening rat Roscuro had ever seen. Come with me, Botticelli said, with a creepy smile. Botticelli draped one long arm around the smaller rat's shoulders. Roscuro rose slowly and let the stranger lead him deeper into the dungeon. Chapter 7. Waiting for a Hero The Queen of Dor was laid to rest in the royal chapel. Princess P, luminescent evening grief, bid her mother a final farewell. In her hand she held a familiar object, which she tenderly placed at her mother's grave. It was the Queen's soup bowl. Then the king stepped forward, and with tears filling his eyes, placed a flower in the empty bowl. Grief is the strongest thing a person can feel. You don't feel it often, but when you do, and death can feel so unfair, as if someone's taken something from you, as if it's been stolen. And when something hurts this much, there must be a reason. There must be someone to blame. A hurt king looking to blame someone can be a dangerous person. His wife's body had no sooner been laid to rest than the king sat down in his chambers to write and to punish. The village crier read the king's proclamation in the town square. From this moment on, soup, the making of soup, the selling of soup, or the eating of soup, is hereby outlawed in the kingdom of Dor. Rats are to be considered illegal as well, and are hereby deemed unlawful creatures in the kingdom of Dor. From this moment on, anyone harbouring, sheltering, or possessing a rat in any way shall face the full wrath of the law. As decreed, the royal guards collected every soup kettle, spoon, and dish. They even confiscated dogs' bowls. In the royal kitchen, Andre's big soup pot was covered up. In shops and homes, rats were chased and hunted, and in his chambers, the king played the same sad wailing notes on his guitar over and over. So think about this. What happens when something that is just a natural part of the world is suddenly made illegal? You may as well make flies illegal, or sweat, or Monday mornings. But that's what the king did, out of his terrible sadness. Dor's once vibrant village was now silent, its town square empty, soup kettles piled up in the gutters along the entire length of the street. Sunlight left, and the world went grey. Colours faded into one another, and dark clouds filled the sky. And for a long time it wouldn't rain. The clouds just stayed, and stayed, and stayed. In her bedroom, Princess P stared out across the bleak landscape. Louise, her maid, was fitting the princess for a dress, and the jeweled gown threw sequined light all around the room. But P did not notice. I wish it would rain, said P. She looked at the trees, now dead and lifeless under the gloomy sky. Summer, fall, winter, spring. Grey rained all year. You and the old world, Louise replied, accidentally sticking P with a needle. Ow, said P, wincing. Sorry, milady, Louise apologised. Well, at least I can still feel that, P turned back to a window. Louise, do you think there's a bit of light somewhere in the world? Dunno, ma'am, said Louise. I think there is. You just need to know where to find it, said P. But that was the dilemma. Where do you find light in a land where the thing its people love most has been banned? Because in the royal kitchen, soup no longer bubbled in cauldrons. Magical aromas did not fill the air. Every ingredient was stored away and every pot neatly stacked. What was once a happy mess was now tidy and sterile. 
The bustling kitchen staff had dwindled to one member. Andre, depressed and alone, sat at his table, idly spinning a Dorian shilling. On the third spin, he accidentally flicked the small shilling onto the floor, but the chef made no movement to get it. He just watched the coin roll to the corner of the room and disappear into a mouse hole. Do you remember when we told you that once upon a time there was a brave little mouse? Well, if you know anything about fairy tales, you know that a hero doesn't appear until the world really needs one.